Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. We are wrapping up the series on the Holy Spirit this morning, but it's not the full teaching of the Holy Spirit. There's always more to learn. However, I hope that you'll go back over the last five or six weeks and review what we've been discussing about the Holy Spirit. And remember where we came from. Without Him, Jesus said, you can do nothing. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer and enables us to do whatever it is God is calling us to do. Without Him, we can do nothing. And so many of us live ignorantly of the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have become powerless people attending powerless churches. And that's a heartbreak. The children of God should not be toothless and powerless. We should be filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit. We should be making an impact on our community, on our friends, on our family, We can't do this without walking in the Holy Spirit, without being filled with the Holy Spirit. We can be typically moral people. That's great. I hope that you are. That is not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, we can't convince anyone that they need Jesus without the Holy Spirit. We can present arguments, we can be persuasive, but without the Holy Spirit moving in the heart of that person, our arguments will fall on deaf ears. We need the Holy Spirit. Last week I asked you, how many of y'all prayed for the filling of the Holy Spirit at least once last week? I'm a little nervous to ask that. I know the people that prayed for it are going to be like, oh yeah, I was there, and then everybody else is going to be, ah... Why are you coming to church? Do we come to church to fulfill a religious obligation to make our wife happy, to make our husband happy, uh, because we want to raise good kids? Why do we come to church? First of all, this is the place of worship. Congregational worship happens here. Congregational prayer happens in your local church. But we come to church also to hear from God, to hear the word of God to his people. And we shouldn't leave and forget what we've heard. James warns us, do not be forgetful hearers, but be doers of the word. Not forgetful hearers. It's like looking in your mirror and seeing that there's a mess on your face and going, oh, there's a mess on my face. And then walking out into the world and not cleaning your face up. 
Now, some of you all have done that, I know. And then somebody says, oh, hey, you got a little something right there. And you may or may not be embarrassed. I mean, I think if you're 12 and you have chocolate all over your face because you're eating ice cream, uh, you're 12. Let's clean our face up. You should be embarrassed. Same thing here, where we have heard preaching and teaching on the Holy Spirit, and we walk away, and last week we really went into depth on being filled with the Spirit and the importance of it, and then we forget to ask the Spirit to fill us. We don't consider Him and His direction in our lives. We're forgetful hearers. And that just ought not to be. So tonight, today, this is your chance. Let's remember. Let's remember. You see, without the filling of the Holy Spirit, when we do battle with the enemy, it's like coming to him with a gun with no bullets. I'm in a Bible life circle with a couple of men in the church, and we've been talking about this a lot, about how the enemy is fighting, and the enemy is battling you. And you need to have your weapon loaded. You need to have scripture that is hidden, not just in your mind, but in your heart. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Without Him, you can wrestle with the devil all you want, or a demon all you want. You're going to lose without Him. Here's an illustration. I was home alone one night. Did I, did I share this illustration yet? I was home alone one night. The kids and Trisha were gone. It was just me, Edgar, and Flynn, our cat. Edgar is our favorite pet. Flynn is the cat. And uh, Edgar starts acting all weird, barking and growling and going to the door. And I'm like, this is uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, I have a gun. So I went to my gun safe, and I took out my gun. It's got the clip in it, and I'm going around the house, and I'm looking around, and um, safety's on. I'm careful. I open the door to the porch. I look out on the porch. There's nobody there. I get Edgar on his leash, and I go down the ramp, and I'm walking around the building. See, there was a, uh, we had an incident here a while ago where somebody came running through the off the street into our property. I think he came through my porch, out my back door, down in the back side of the property. So things happen here. There was a shooting in, at Wellington Terrace, like literally, I think maybe a half mile up the road. So you all thinking I'm crazy. I'm carrying a gun, and I'm looking around, and there's nothing there. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, because I don't want to use a gun, but it's good to have it in case I need it. So I go in the house, and I pop the clip out. Now, all you guys that are really wise gun bearers and stuff, you're going to laugh at me? I didn't have the clip loaded. I put the empty clip in the gun. Go ahead, let it out, let it out. Because I'm laughing at you that haven't prayed for the filling of the Holy Spirit last week. Because y'all been walking around with an empty gun. You follow what I'm saying? If somebody was on the property and I had my gun, 
And he came charging at me with a knife or something. And I went, click. <laughs> then I'm going to be like Indiana Jones. And I'm going to throw the gun at him and run. <laughs> what, Randy? You said something. <laughs> I would have missed anyways. Yeah. I've grown up. I can throw a football now. I can hit the target. Folks, this is what's happening to us as Christians. We walk around with the God of the universe within us, and we're not availing ourselves to his power. And we should. We should. Romans 8, chapter 1 through uh, 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 1 through 17. Let's begin reading in, in verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you're, if you're a Christian today, you know what the Christian walk can be like. It can be very up and down at times, and you can become very, very discouraged. I, I suggest reading the Psalms, and particularly reading the Psalms where David is, has failed, and he's approaching God Almighty, his Father in heaven, and he's asking him to turn away his anger. And, and we have these times in our lives where God chastens us, by removing our joy, by, by, I believe, creating a seeming distance until we long to be back into his presence. Anyone ever felt that? So in chapter 7, Paul is talking about this battle, the spirit versus the flesh, and how discouraged he's become when I do good, evil is present with me. When I, when, when I want to do good, I end up doing bad. And he's just really frustrated. And as he comes to the end of that passage, he says, Who shall save me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who is in Christ Jesus? All those who have trusted in Christ as their personal savior. You are in Christ Jesus. He holds you in his hand. He will never let you go. The Father holds you in his hand. He will never let you go. The Holy Spirit seals it all up with a nice little bow. And no one can break that seal. So, he goes on, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. Just let that percolate for a second. There's a lot in that verse. There is therefore no, no longer any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of Christ, it is a beautiful and amazing thing. And it set us free from the law of sin and death. And when he says what the law could not do, he's talking about the law. The, the Old Testament, Ten Commandments. It could not make you holy. The Ten Commandments do not make us holy. They bring us on our knees to a holy God. In fact, earlier in Romans, Paul makes this point that the law was given that we might be exceedingly guilty before God. It reveals to us our sin. It should break us down. 
But the law can't save because the sinful flesh can't obey it. I want you to think about one verse. I'm, I'm writing a sermon on this. And it's, the sermon is called, No Other Gods. Any, anybody ever wonder why God is so offended by every little sin? Because he says, I am the Lord thy God. There shall be no other gods before me. That's why the Ten Commandments start there. That is the greatest commandment of all. He is the creator. He created the universe and everything in it, and it's by his rules that we live. And when we sin, well, we're putting something else above God. That's why every sin is offensive to God. Sit on that a spell. Does that make you feel great? If you're not a believer here, it should terrify you. Because the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, the Son. And if you have rejected Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've been presented with the gospel of Jesus Christ, how that he died and was buried and rose again, so that you might have life and forgiveness of sin. Folks, if you've rejected that, if you've been presented with it and you walked away, you are in grave danger. Grave danger. But thanks be to God, you're still alive and there's still hope for you. You can come to Jesus today. You can come to Jesus right now where you're sitting. Uh, you don't need me to help you. Just cry out to God. I'm a sinner by choice and by birth. And God, I am so sorry for putting other things above you. I want you as my father. I present to you Jesus Christ, and I call on you in his name as, a, as an offering for my sin. Look what he says. What the law couldn't do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. Not us. God. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own sin, a son, in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. Sometimes I'll lead the sinner's prayer, a prayer of repentance, and I'll, I'll say, Lord, I present to you the offering of Jesus Christ for my sin. Where do I get that from? Right there and in Isaiah chapter 53. Let's go on. In order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You follow? We are no longer condemned for our sin because our sin was condemned in Jesus, and we are now given a living Holy Spirit within. God has made us alive. He goes on. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now, the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to. Without the Spirit, you are unable to keep the law. And you may say, well, I've never murdered anybody. I've kept that law. And Jesus said, if you looked at your brother with hatred in your heart, you've killed him in your heart. 
Well, I've never committed adultery if you look at a woman with lust in your heart or a man with lust in your heart. But even more than that, if you have elevated anything above God, you have broken the law. In the letter that James wrote in the later New Testament, he said, he who offends in one point is guilty of all. Talking about keeping the law. You say, oh, I've kept the law, but if you offended in one point, you're guilty of all the points. Why? Because the law is a body of work. It's how God presents it. It's, it's, a, it's a whole work. And when you break one law, you have broken the law. You follow? There's no hope for us in the law. The law points to the hope, which is Christ being sacrificed for our inability to keep the law, for our sin. Hallelujah. For those who are in the flesh, now Christians, can we walk in the flesh? Can we walk in a carnal nature? Yeah. What does it say there? Those in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, now for those that are saved and have this quickened spirit within you. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he, cannot, he does not belong to him. But now Christ is in you. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Now, when I said, can we walk in the flesh? Folks, our flesh is dead, but we can still give into that sinful nature. We can still be led by this dead flesh. And we're going to elaborate on that in a, in a few minutes. I hope you brought lunch today. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh. Oh, we're going to get into that. To live according to the flesh, because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if the Spirit, if by the Spirit in you, I'm sorry, Lord, please tell me. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by the God's Spirit are God's sons. If you did not, I'm sorry, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. Not everyone. Only those who have the Spirit. And the only way to have the Spirit indwelling you is to have come to the Father through the Son for salvation. And if children, we are the children of God, Abba, Daddy, Dad, right? Also heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we might be also glorified with him. I say then, Galatians now, same author, different letter, walk by the Spirit. So he's giving you a dissertation in Romans chapter 8. You have the Spirit, the Spirit is dwelling in you, the Spirit of God is life, the Spirit of God is peace. There's no condemnation upon you any longer because you have been saved by the blood of the Lamb, sealed by the Holy Spirit of God, regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God. Now I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. 
For the flesh desires what is against the spirit. Now this again, Romans chapter 7. But the spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, let's begin this exposition. The spirit versus the flesh. This is what we've read about this morning. The spirit versus the flesh. Our flesh, to be clear, is our dead, fallen nature. That is what the flesh means. It's not just your skin. We think flesh, we just think skin. It is our dead, fallen nature. It is the nature that is the antithesis of God. It is the nature that has bends and twists towards sin, not toward God. That is the flesh. The flesh desires filthy things, godly things that have been perverted. That is what the flesh wants. And we have the flesh versus the spirit. For what the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, first of all, God did. God did what we couldn't do and what the law couldn't do. We couldn't do it. Can I hear you say God did? I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. God did. I mean, say it loud here. One, two, three. God did. Who did it? Who did it? Who did it? Come on. God did it. We walk around thinking it's up to us and we have to do this. God did it. What did he do? He redeemed us. He removed the condemnation that was upon us from the breaking of the law. Man, that's good stuff. That'll preach. Oh, that's good stuff. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, I elaborated earlier, as a sin offering. And when you go into the Old Testament, it's a beautiful picture as they make sacrifices in the temple, the sin offering, a mandatory offering. It could not wash away sins. It essentially deferred judgment until Jesus Christ washed away the sins. Oh, man. In order that the law's requirement will be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the Spirit, but according to the flesh. Now, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. Think on that for a second. Paul addresses the, first, uh, the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians, and he says, are you not carnal? He didn't say natural. He didn't say that they were unsaved or not saved or unbelievers. He said they were carnal. He said they were like babes that he could only feed milk to and they should be adults able to feed themselves. They were carnal and their thoughts were dominated by the flesh. How do we know that? Because Corinth was a mess. Now, in the church at Corinth, the gifts of God were evident. There were people serving and doing things. It was a church. But they were divided. They were prideful. They were arrogant. They were celebrating sinfulness. They were a welcoming and affirming congregation. Now, I know that offends some people. 
But the scripture is clear. The scripture is clear. No matter how many verbal gymnastics people want to try to make, you cannot change what thus saith the Lord. You don't help people by encouraging them to stay broken. It's not helpful. You can love them. Anyways, he condemned that sin in the flesh of Jesus Christ so the sinner could be freed, could be saved, could be redeemed, could start to walk a new life. That should be hope to all of us here this morning. But those who live according to the flesh, they have their minds set on the things of the flesh. Now, what is the mindset of the flesh? He tells us the mindset of the flesh is death. There is no hope in the flesh. The mindset of the flesh is death. Woe is me. Self-pity. That is the mindset of the flesh. The mindset of the flesh is death. The mindset of the flesh, you say, well, how do you say that the mindset of the flesh doesn't want anything to do with God? Well, it says in the scripture, the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God. Have you ever been hostile to God? Oh, I know Christians that have been. They hear the word of the God, well, they, they hear the word of the Lord and they don't agree with it. And they become hostile to the word. Because they think they know better than the creator and ruler of the universe. There are things that God has decreed that sometimes I wonder why. And I wish you would do it different, Lord. And then I realize, what am I saying? Shall the creation say to the creator, why did you make me this way? We are beholden to him. He is the ruler. We don't tell God what to do. When his word says this is sin, it is sin, and we can't change it. Yeah, get all the coughs out. This is uncomfortable, but it's truth. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, is unable to. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Why do you think we pray, O oh Lord, fill me with your spirit? Lead me by your spirit. Because I have an enemy. My first enemy is within. That fallen nature that wants to drag me into sin, that wants to drag me into death. Man, that's, that's an enemy. And then I have another enemy. Satan and fallen angels, which we would refer to as demons today. And they are here and they are real and they are trying to influence and oppress you as a believer. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Your gun needs to be loaded because the enemy is tearing the church apart. Well, secondly, the Spirit of God, we, we read, is within us. The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Oh, man. Just sit there for a second and think about this. 
Every single person who has truly turned to God and trusted in Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God has made you his temple. You ever feel alone? You're not. The Holy Spirit of God is within you. You ever feel far from God? Well, you're not. The Holy Spirit of God is in you. Turn back to God. Listen, James warns those who are believers to cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your heart, you double-minded. There's the mind of Christ and there's the mind of the flesh, which is hostile to God. You say, I don't think I'm walking in the flesh. I'm not hostile to God. But as soon as God touches that one area that you disagree with, you can feel the hostility rising. But God is within you. You don't have to follow the flesh. You don't have to be led by the nose with greed and anger and bitterness. You don't have to be led by the nose by, by guilt and shame, envy and jealousy, unforgiveness. You don't have to be led by the nose. Indeed, you should not be. As believers in Jesus, the Spirit of God is within us. Now, think for a second. What does that mean? I was watching a, a movie with Trish and there was a genie in it. It was make pretend. There's no such thing as genies. I don't believe in them. I believe in demons, but this was just a genie. And, and we're watching this movie and I'm reminded of Robin Williams. In fact, we were watching a documentary on Robin Williams and he got the part of uh, the genie in Aladdin. And, and one of the things he said is, Phenomenal cosmic power! Itty bitty living space. Let me tell you, man, you have phenomenal cosmic power within you. His name is the Holy Spirit. He is within you. But we're powerless people because our clips are empty. And you all laughed at me. I, I'm going to mark it down. You all made fun of me. You're going to be talking about that at lunch. we got a dumb pastor. But I want you to remember that when you think of how stupid I was, and I was stupid, kids don't say stupid, um, ask yourself this question, is my clip filled? How many days have I walked around without my clip being filled? So let me tell you something, you think your home is your, is your uh, sanctuary? You think that? Oh, the enemy can't come in my home? Let me tell you what. The enemy can come in your home and stir up strife and stir up anger. He can influence and oppress. You need the Holy Spirit. Without him, we can do nothing. But the good news is, as a believer, he is within you. He is within you. Hey, all. Thanks for listening to this podcast like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.